really an awesome week. We had 100 kids throughout the week, uh, so it kind of fits well with uh, what I'm about to say, and that is, uh, very simply, I need you. I need you. And we live in an interesting uh, culture. Uh, there's this basketball player by the name of LeBron James. Have you heard of him? Now, several years ago, he made a decision, and it was maybe a little egocentric. He reserved a time slot on Sports Center, and he let the world know what he was up to. He decided to take his talents to South Beach, and he became a Miami Heat uh, uh, basketball player. Well, after that, everyone started to scrutinize LeBron James because he needed help. It's like, here you are boasting to be the greatest player ever to exist, Well, Michael Jordan, he never needed to do that. Well, LeBron James went to go play with Dwayne Wade and uh, this Bosch guy that were both pretty good at basketball. And everybody said, well, if you really were the greatest, you wouldn't need it. And so Michael Jordan, he's still the greatest in people's minds because he didn't need to take his talents to South Beach. Never mind the fact that he had, uh, you know, Scotty Skiles or whatever. Scott... Scotty Pippen? Is that a basketball player? I'm teasing. All right. See, I grew up a Detroit Pistons fan. My guys are Joe Dumars, Bill Lambier, Dennis Rodman before he was crazy, uh, Vinny, Microwave Johnson, and uh, uh, Joe Dum- Isaiah Thomas. So uh, the bad boys. That's what I grew up with in the 90s. But those five guys, they all needed each other, and they all played their roles. And... Uh, they knew that they needed team. You know, yesterday was a great day as a church family, um, just being able to serve uh, serve with uh, just some guys that I care about a lot, and we got to work alongside each other uh, to help someone move in our church family. Now, I like moving because I like looking at everybody's stuff uh, and just making judgments, you know, snap judgments. So do you need this? Like, I was trying to get Jill's router. It's like, you're not going to need a router anymore. Uh, but the boys, her boys were there to uh, protect the router. So uh, just putting that out there, if anybody has a router that they don't use anymore, I mean, that's terrible. Don't do that, Jordan. Um, uh, but it was just a privilege to serve with those guys. Uh, there's no way that, uh, that Jill and I could have gotten that job done yesterday. Um, it's always just this reminder that we need each other. I need your help. VBS doesn't happen if we don't have each other's help. I need your help. You know, that's a, that's a prayer that I often ask of God. I probably don't ask it enough. But just simply, God, I need your help. There have been seasons of ministry where I have asked God for help because I felt like quitting. Um, the first time that I was really serious was uh, about three years into ministry here. Uh, Three years in, I was 26, uh, just trying to still figure out what in the world you're supposed to do. People told me about a honeymoon stage, you know, for like the first year. I'm not really sure I enjoyed a honeymoon because I spent the majority of the time wondering what on earth it was that I was supposed to be doing. Um, I had Sally to help me along the way. 
she really did. We have a church because Sally Walter told me what to do. Um, honest to goodness. <laughs> um, she said, you need to do this. Oh, okay, yes, ma'am. But, you know, there reached a point where I was just sort of desperate. And it was three years in, and I can remember, I can remember the moment. You know, ministry can be lonely. It can be, it can be, it can be very difficult because it, there's not just sort of your pressure. Uh, not that you guys put undue pressure on me, uh, but it's, it's the own sort of pressure of, I'm in vocational ministry, and they're paying you to do something. And you better do it well, and you better succeed at it. Otherwise, you're going to disappoint them. You're going to disappoint your mama, and you're going to disappoint God. You're going to, you know, it's like all of these sort of weights and pressures. I wasn't really prepared to be a minister in the sense that I didn't know that when you become a minister, people treat you differently. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you behave different when I show up. Well, the preacher's here. You better stop her cussing. So... Uh, and uh, whatever else you guys are doing, you know, put your beer away and your cigarettes. But uh, you behave differently. And I wasn't really ready to be treated differently because I held a position. I wasn't mature enough to understand uh, different nuances and how to build relationships and build genuine relationships with you. And so I felt lonely. I felt discouraged. I felt like what I set out to do I wasn't accomplishing. And so I asked God for help. To God, I need you, I need your help, and I need a friend. And I remember the Sunday, and it was Mike Walter. I was just in the vestibule. Actually, I think we were down at the stairwell, at the bottom of the stairs. And Mike Walter, who had just become an elder at this point, he said, Jordan, I'm calling an all-elder meeting. Now, as a preacher, that's not good news. You know, you're thinking, oh, oh boy. And he said, he said immediately after, he said, I don't want you to worry. He said, I'm, I'm seeing that too much is falling on you, and I'm going to talk to the elders and say, I need, we need to help you out. And in that moment, I was just like, holy cow, thank you, Mike. And then he added this tag, tagline on, and oh, by the way, Megan and Tim are moving down to Bourbon. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you, but it meant the world to me. Uh, because in God's serendipitous grace and God's goodness and his need of knowing that, uh, how to answer prayer, um, he sent me a ready-made friend. Uh, I've known Tim since I was 16. Just so happens that, so uh, if you're a guest, Tim's the guy that just gave the communion meditation. And uh, he's downstairs, so I'm free to talk about him. Um, but in that moment God answered the prayer for help God answered a prayer to say you know I'm going to send a friend to you and someone that you can immediately talk to and he knew you as a 16 year old kid and he knows your mom and dad really well you see God God knows that we all need help he knows just how much encouragement we need. Something happened in our church building two weeks ago. God answered a prayer for help. 
and they're not in the room right now, so it's safe to talk about them too, and I don't want it to be awkward, so I'm going to tell a story, and you guys just pretend like you don't know anything, and you just love and welcome them. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a young couple that came, and they uh, surprised us, surprised Wendy and I, Wendy and me. I would say that Wendy and I have been praying for help again, help because God's doing something and I see our congregation and I look around the room and our congregation is quite a bit different than 12 years ago when I started and I looked at our directory from five or six years ago and it's way different and I see God adding to our church family and God moving in awesome ways and the pressure that I start facing and I put on myself you guys don't do it it's all my fault trust me I can be my own worst enemy. I can start feeling the pressure of, oh God, please don't let me screw this up. I don't know if you guys ever pray that prayer, but <laughs> I pray it ever so often. Well, feeling a little sorry for ourselves, I suppose, but asking God to help us. God has been working in the life of Audrey and Tim Barber. They were living in Chicago. I did their wedding seven years ago. Audrey, um, Audrey was um, a contemporary with me at Great Lakes. We got we gotten to know each other through that. And um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Wendy's five years older than me, so she was actually working at the school. She recruited me to marry me. Um, but uh, I might need a place to stay tonight, guys. If any, I, I need I need your help. Uh, but uh, but Wendy was Audrey's coach in uh, in college uh, for volleyball, and that was Wendy's favorite uh, favorite player. I think uh, not that she played favorites, but that was definitely her favorite. And Audrey's just uh, just a wonderful person, amazing. She was married to uh, her first husband. His name was Brandon. Uh, she was Audrey Stout. Uh, as I knew her in my college days. And her husband, Brandon, he served in the military, and he was serving in Iraq, and he was killed in a roadside bomb. And so I can remember uh, going with Wendy to Brandon's funeral, and it was the largest funeral I've ever been in. There was probably five, 600 people there for the funeral. And the grace and the dignity the sort of noble strength that Audrey carried with her, she, uh, she continued forward in her work and her studies, and she became uh, a servant to the military. She cared for veterans, and she helped re, uh, rehabilitate people who are in need of help. For our last kid, we had a name. You know, you come up with a name. And you're like, you know, how do you do this? And so Tim's, uh, Tim's community meditation is perfect. And what does the name mean? And Wendy and I were struggling, and we didn't know what to do, and we kept kind of landing on a couple of different names. What were the names? I forget. We don't know. But Audrey. Audrey was one that was just like, you know, you look up the meaning. And the name for Audrey is Noble Strength. I don't know how noble uh, Audrey is, but I know how strong she is. She's a pretty determined little girl. 
but we wanted to name our daughter Audrey. And so Audrey, my Audrey, is namesake is Audrey Barber. All of that to tell you this, Audrey and Tim surprised us and they have lived in Chicago. I married them seven years ago. When I met Tim, he was wild and crazy. He's still a little uh, wild and crazy, but he's given his life to the Lord and he's a servant and he loves God. And they moved from Chicago and they moved, uh, moved to Rochester. And they didn't tell us and they had Anna Gilsinger selling their house. And all I can say is God is good and God is faithful and God knows our call for our, our need for help and he loves us dearly. We should never doubt that God isn't working, that God isn't busy working through whatever's going on in our lives. And God is always ready to answer this call of, I need your help. Wendy and I were like, I think the word is flabbergasted, I don't know, that, that, that God would answer a prayer in that way. And to sit, uh, we were invited to their house last week and to sit on their, uh, around their dinner table with them and to know how God is at work and changing lives and leading us to Him. We've been in a series about baptism. And so far I've talked to you about baptism being about joining the mission of God. That just as Jesus joined the mission of God to announce the good news of his kingdom, that we do the very same thing in our baptism as we follow Christ into his. I talked about baptism being a way of entering into the water and entering into the salvation that God has given us through Christ. And that baptism is about new life and new creation and new community. That as we are baptized into Christ, we enter into the waters and we are created new in Christ. We are forgiven of our sins. We are given victory over death. We are given hope and salvation and new life in Him. All of that is immensely personal. But there is also an aspect, and what I've been asking you is for you to remember your baptism. But what I would ask of you today is to remember our baptism that each of us who have entered into the waters as sinners and coming out new people in Christ, we are a part of the body of believers. And it's Paul who tells us that we are one in Christ and we have one Lord and we have one faith and we have one baptism, we have one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all, that we are all one in Him. And what Paul does for his, the churches that he's ministered to and, and he is reaching out to is he is constantly advocating that we need each other, that we're unified in Christ. And he says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, he describes our life together as if we are a body, that we are one. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So Paul simply tells us we are one. We are unified together in Christ. Now if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There are many of us, many different gifts and talents and personalities, all working together to be the body of Christ. All unified together by one baptism that we share in Christ. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you are the body of Christ, and if each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed His... In, in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and the gifts of healing or helping and guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eager, eagerly desire the greatest gifts. And the greatest gift is love. We no longer say to each other, I don't need you. We say to one another, I need you, and I need your help. Now, I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something. And you can either genuinely mean it, or you can fake it, but you don't get to leave until you give it a try. I can't, that's a totally empty threat. Can you say to the people in front of you and alongside you, all around you, I need your help. I need your help. And I know that that's going to be awkward for you. Because we live in a world where a multimillionaire, incredibly most talented person in the entire world at basketball said he needed help and it became a deficiency in his skills. 
And I, I don't mean to break it to you, but you're not as talented as LeBron James. I mean, maybe in some things, but not in basketball. And if a guy like that needs help, maybe you do too. And I think the thing that unifies us all is that we all need the help of a Savior. We all need the help of one who came and died and rescued us. We have too many things going on in our lives to think that we can get through it on our own. I need your help. And I'm going to ask you to make the same sort of statement to those around you. And I'm not going to say anything until you all jump on board with this. So go ahead. One, two, three. I need your help. Wasn't that good? You guys are happy now. Doesn't it feel good to say to people, and I don't know what's going on in your lives, all of you, but we all have some things. Paul tells us we no longer look at the parts of our body and say, I don't need your help. But when we say, I need your help, and we say it to our feet, then maybe our feet will get us to where we need to go. And if we say it to our hands, then maybe our hands will help us serve the people that we need to serve. And if we say it to our hearts, then maybe we will have our heart beat for the things that God needs it to be for. Can we be a people who say with one another that we need each other's help? Because when we do and when we serve together, when we come together in the name of Christ, when we come together as one body, then the beautiful thing starts happening is that we, begin, we become the body of Christ in our community, in this place. And we get to be the hands, the feet, the ears of Christ right here. And Paul says the way you come to be a part of this is by being baptized into the body of Christ, by being baptized into a church family. Friends, will we be a people who respond to one another's call for help? I need your help. And we need the help of God. You know, I've been doing this uh, project, I suppose, called NG3, Next Generation Character, Community, and Change. It's got me to be a part of the football team and other things, and I've enjoyed being able to be a part of it. Last year, I relied on a couple of different people to help me. And this year, people saw me uh, drowning, and they said, it sounds like you need some help. 
now there's more people that have come alongside and said, hey, we'd like to help you. And we've already done more together to impact lives than I could ever do on my own. You see, God sometimes gives us humble pie to remind us that it's pride. It's arrogance. It's this ego thing that gets in the way. And it's okay. It's okay to say, I need your help. God doesn't want us to be alone. And he doesn't want our hurt and our brokenness to go unmet. He wants us to seek him and seek him for help. And every once in a while, God blesses us with these people in our lives to love us and encourage us and answer prayers in ways that you never could have imagined. I would love to strategize and figure all these things out and cast an amazing vision, but I would so much rather listen to God and wait for him to answer our prayers because he will bless us and encourage us in ways we never thought possible. With folks who would leave Chicago and come to Rochester, with folks who would leave South Bend and come to Bourbon, to leave the city, to find their home with us. I don't know how God is at work in your life and what he's doing and how you feel right at this very moment. But I'd hope that you would want to be a part of our church family and be the hands and feet in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And above all of our need for help from one another, we need your help. And God, forgive us for all the times that we have felt like and have pushed away and said to parts of the body that we don't need each other's help. God, you are good to us and you have forgiven us. You are faithful and you are just. You are abundant in your mercy and your grace. And so, God, we come to you foremost with a call for your help, a help for unity, a help for your grace and your love to go before us and within us. And, God, as we listen to each other, may we respond God, can we, can we have your help? That when we ask for the help of others, that we would respond. That we would meet each other's needs as the first church cared for one another and there were no needs, needs within the community. God, we aspire to be a 242 church that gathers in your name. God, they were Christ-focused and so they were Christ-formed. Let us fix our eyes on you. We love you, and we thank you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to read one more scripture for you. It's out of Ephesians. As a prisoner then for the Lord, this is first, or chapter 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. 
Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who has ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service. So that the people, uh, to equip his, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work does its work. Will we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? This series about baptism has been a, uh, about reminding us of our own baptism, reflecting on that day that we decided to give our life and our allegiance to Jesus Christ alone. If you have not made that decision, I have strategically placed this sermon series because I believe God is at work within it and because I think there are folks who want to make the next step in committing their life to Christ and following Him. And so I've asked the stickers and boyers to get the sin filter ready uh, in their pool that there will be an opportunity as a family that we would gather together in the name of Christ the pools will be warm and ready. If you would like to commit your life to Christ and enter into baptism and join our baptism into the body of Christ, into his salvation, into his mission, into this new life, you'll have the opportunity to do so. Come and believe and have your faith in him. Let's stand and sing. Ah. Uh-huh.